Hello, and welcome to the River's Edge Church Podcast. Today, Pastor Dave Johnson will bring a message of hope through our series, Core Values. We're excited to share another powerful episode with you today. And now, here's Pastor Dave. Hey, good morning again. We're back. All right, we're in a series called Core Values, where if you're, especially if you're new with us, uh, we're simply sharing, what is our church built on? What are the foundations of our church? If you were to do a drilling operation, pull out a core sample, what would that say about REC? And so I want to share with you the first couple of core values so we could get right into it today. we got a lot happening today, and I want to make sure we have time to get to the, the stuff that's going to be much better than my sermon. So biblical authority is our very first value. And I think, do we have these for the screen there, Ruth? I can't remember if I gave them to you or not. No? Yes? They're looking? All right. I want to just recap where, with you our core values in case you missed it and you can go back and re, uh, re-watch these sermons or listen to them on our podcast. Biblical authority. The Bible is God's holy word. It's the highest source of written authority regarding God's plan for his people. and reveals how to live out that plan individually and corporately. Beliefs, practices, priorities, and our mission are to be anchored in clear biblical teachings. That's our first value. Our second value is, is uh, transformational discipleship. Discipleship is the ongoing process of becoming more like Christ. A disciple actively imitates both the life and the teachings of Jesus. It is the unique job of the church to make and equip disciples. Our third value we talked about last week, love God and others. When Jesus was asked what's the most important thing in the Bible, his response was love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's our strong conviction that we honor God by loving others. And then lastly, what we're going to talk about today, share the good news of Jesus. In fact, there's actually one more core value. So there's, we're going to take a quick break for Mother's Day and talk about moms on Mother's Day, and then we're going to get back into that one core value. So share the good news of Jesus. We believe that Jesus is too good to keep to ourselves. We are compelled to share the good news of Jesus with others and invite them into relationship with Jesus. I want to share a couple stories before we get into the text this morning. I was watching, you know, one of these like uh, scrolling, you know, you get stuck scrolling on Instagram. That's not just you guys, it's me too. I was watching this video and this woman was talking about the worst day of her life. And she didn't say why it was the worst day of her life. She just said it was the worst day of her life and that, that she was having a really hard time. She was sitting in a restaurant. She was sad. She was sulking. She was like, trying not to cry, but just sort of like looking at her phone aimlessly. I think she may have just gotten fired or something like that. And an older woman walked up to her and said, are you doing okay? And she goes, oh yeah, I'm fine. She said, I was trying to play it off like I was just fine, but clearly I wasn't. So I don't know, I'm fine, I'm fine. And um, this woman said, are you sure? Because I know a really good guy who I really think can help you. If you just go talk to him, I think he'll solve anything that you, you might have, any of your problems. And she goes, oh, okay. And she took, she had a card. She gave her the card. She said, okay, thank you. And she put it in her pocket. She said, maybe, maybe I'll give him a call later. And she said, okay, I hope you have a good day and walked on. And a while later, this woman's sitting there around her food or her coffee or whatever. And she decides to look at this card. She thought, you know what? Maybe this woman has a really good psychiatrist. I'll give him a call. So she pulls out the card and it just says the word Jesus on it. And right then and right there, she knew 
that she had to give her life back to Jesus because Jesus did have her life, but she walked away from that at one point. And as she gave her life back to Jesus, it really, God really did a work in her life. God really changed her and, and changed the depression that she'd been going through. And, and as she re- gave herself back to her creator, her life had changed. There's one other story I want to talk about because these two stories are, are very different. Uh, the other story is a story that involves me. I was in college um, at my undergrad, Cal Poly Pomona, and um, I was blessed to be in something called student government. Now, I wasn't trying to be on student government. It turned out there was an open council seat that people were running unopposed, and I happened to find out that you get a free faculty parking pass. <laughs> yeah. A $300 a quarter stipend and, a, and an office to use. I had no idea what the other responsibilities were, but I heard running unopposed for those things that I was like, sure, I'll run for office. So, of course, I ran, I got the position, and so I'm on student government, and you start meeting people from all sorts of different majors, and it was a really great experience, and I'm meeting with this um, guy who's our attorney general, and he's a pre-law major, and he's just very sharp, very wise, uh, very smart guy, and it turns out he and I had a lot of meetings together all the time. We were on the same subcommittee. And then um, we both went, did Model United Nations together. We went to New York together. We, we argued for our positions together. And we just ended up spending a ton of time together. And um, I had shared with the class and shared with people that I, at that point I was working at a church. I was doing youth ministry and all that stuff. And so people knew that. When all the people from Model UN went out to go get drinks, I hung out with them. I went with them, but I didn't get drinks. I just kind of hung out with them. So we knew my life was a little bit different. And at one point, um, he would ask me, like, how, do you, how can you believe that stuff? And I was just like, you know, I believe Jesus is the source of all truth. I believe he is all truth. And, we had, and I just said, you know, for me, Jesus has just changed my life. And he's like, okay, okay. And then one day we're at a subcommittee meeting, and I don't know what happened in his life, but he was like, okay, Dave, so it was after the subcommittee meeting. He's all, so you believe in Jesus, right? And I thought, okay, God, this is happening. Like somebody, you know, grab some water. We're going to have a baptism here. Like that's that's what I was thinking. Like this is going to happen. He's going to come to know Jesus right now. And I was like, yeah, yeah. He goes, man, I used to think you were smart. How stupid could you be? And like, he just laid into me. And I was like, you know what? I just said to him, I was like, I didn't even want to deal with him at that point. I was like, you're clearly on a search for truth right now. That's clearly what's happening to you. And all I could offer you is Jesus, because I believe Jesus is truth. But like, that's it. I, you, you need to go find that. You're not going to find it through me. Go find that, that truth. And I kind of washed my hands of it and didn't talk to him for a couple years. Mainly because we graduated. We graduated and all that stuff. So one day I get a phone call, and I pick up my phone, and it, it, it was this guy, and he said, hey, Dave, this is Steve. I was like, oh, hey, and I'm talking to him. How are you doing? Are you doing okay? What's going on with your life? He goes, can I buy you coffee? I was like, okay. Okay. So we went and we had coffee together, and he's just got this smile from ear to ear. And he goes, I just want to tell you I came to know Jesus. And I was like, that's amazing. Why? Like, what? tell me your story. What happened? 
he was like, it's because you told me to shut up and like get away from you. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying this is a good evangelism method. I'm not saying that. But he, he said, it's because you pointed out to me that I was on a search for truth. And he said, and I didn't realize that at the time. But when you said it, it immediately clicked within my, within my spirit. And I was like, dude, I was just sick of you at that point. I just wanted to, like, I didn't want to deal with that anymore. You know, because you were like, he was like attacking me. And he goes, yeah, I know. And I'm really... I just want to apologize for that. But once you told me I was on a search for a truth, I realized that and actually took it seriously and began searching out truth. And he said, but you were always such that consistent example in my life that it made me look into Jesus first. And I gave my life over to Jesus. And I was just like, praise God. I mean, guys, he's got an awesome Christian family today, doing great today. I didn't lead him to Christ. Someone else led him to Christ. But here's my point. With both of these stories, the woman who handed a card, me who told this guy like, hey, I'm out of here. You know, shake the dust off my feet. I'm done. With both of these stories, God used different people in different ways. I'm not responsible for the outcome we have good news to share. We are people of Jesus who have this good news to share that, that, that God redeemed us and wants to redeem the whole world. And for some people, you could share that with them and they're going to fall down and say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. And, and it's going to be amazing. You're going to lead them to Jesus. You're going to pray with them. You're going to bring them to church on Sunday. We're going to throw them in the tank and baptize them. And it's going to be awesome. And some people are going to tell you to shut up and go pound sand. You're not responsible for their what they've said. You're not responsible for their response. You're just responsible to be the light of the world. You're responsible to, to share the news. That's what you're responsible to. So I share these stories to say that right in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. To say that you are the light of the world, Jesus is acknowledging that we live in a dark world. But what Jesus is saying is that you are the light and your light serves to guide others to Jesus, however that might happen. Whether it's at work, whether it's at school, whether it's at home, whether it's within your family, whether it's online, whatever that is, your life serves as a guide. You're like a giant pointer to Jesus. That's the function of your life. If you said yes to Jesus, your function is that you're pointing to Jesus. God made you to be this way. And your first fill-in is this. Jesus calls me to live as a light so that, that leads others to worship God. This is what Jesus said. It's like, live such good lives. Live as the light of the world so that other people will worship God. It's the prayer that I pray over my kids every single night. Lord, I pray that you would help Emma, Lucy, and Jake to be the types of people that make others happy. You made this world and put them in it. Literally, God, would you use my kids to, to be pointers to, to, to Jesus so that other people will give God glory? That's the point of that prayer. And I pray that over them every, 
single night, and we pray that for dinner, that that's what our, God does towards our family. It makes us pointers to his glory. This is who we are. The next feeling is this. Sharing the good news of Jesus isn't a task that we do. It's baked into who we are. When you come to follow Jesus, it's just baked into who you are. You have truth to tell. You have a story to tell. God did something in you that needs to be told. This is why we keep sharing testimonies during, these, during this series. Because in many ways, these testimonies that we're sharing are, are more powerful than whatever I'll share because it's something that God did personally with you. It's not a task that you do. If you look at evangelism like, okay, I've got my checklist, oh, I didn't go to evangelism today, didn't check. I mean, it's good. Like, put that on your, remind yourself, like, yeah, I'm, I'm an evangelist. I'm somebody who shares good news. But it should be baked into who you are at all times. Jeff, as he was leading worship last week, he said, remind, the message reminded me of this, uh, uh, the St. Francis of Assisi quote, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. That, that is the point, is that you're preaching the gospel at all times, and when necessary, you, you speak up. You preach it in the way you love others. You preach it in the way that, that you show generosity, the way that you forgive others. You're preaching the gospel, that Jesus is in charge of your life. That's the point. And you might be thinking, man, you know, Pastor Dave, that's great that this is a core value of our church, but I don't have the gift of evangelism. Oh boy. It's baked into who you are. Everybody has that gift. I don't care who you are. If, if Jesus redeemed you, he's got a story for you to tell. He's got, oh, oh, he, he wants us to live as lights. He wants us to reveal him to all creation. This is the point of following Jesus. Your life always points to this greater reality. That's why it's a core value. It's not that just, maybe there's some, there is a gift of evangelism, by the way, and there's some people who are just like, you could talk to them and they have you like, you know, all of a sudden they get you in the conversation and then you're like, whoa, you're good. You know, and there's some people who are gifted that way. But then there's still like everyone else who maybe you're not gifted that way. Like you, some of you can sit next to somebody on an airplane and have them, you know, like come into Jesus in five minutes, baptize the next couple minutes. You know, you tell you like, can I get you a soda? No, just water, and then splash it on them. Like we're all good here. Stuart is like some of you have that gift. Some of you are good with that. It doesn't, you, you don't need to have that like talent or that gift, though. It's just that God redeemed you and changed you, and you live as a light for others. That's the point. My point and my job as a, as, as a pastor, really, um, the, the point is not to get you all to bring your unsaved friends to church, although do that. That's great. My point, though, is to equip you week after week through Scripture so that you're equipped to share Jesus with your friends. That, that's the point. That's the point of the church. You come here every week for equipping, to be equipped to, to live this book out in your life. There's different points in the scripture in Revelation and Ezekiel where, where God has his people like, eat this scroll, eat it. And it's weird, it's imagery, but the point is that as we eat ingest the word, that we become it. We become like that. We took communion today, and it's something you ingest. It's something you become. 
that we become the hands and feet of Jesus to our unsaved friends. I hope that as we continue on here at River's Edge Church that we have more stories of people accepting Christ around your dinner table than we do at our altar. That is so important. Obviously, I'm happy when anybody accepts Jesus. That, that could happen anywhere. I want it to happen here, of course, but I also want it to happen at your homes. I also want it to happen at your workplaces. I want it to happen around your lunch breaks. I want it to happen at bike rides. I want it to happen in the baseball field and the soccer field. I want it to happen anywhere that people could come to know Jesus because that Jesus is shining so brightly through your lives. Matthew 28. Last week we saw that Jesus gives the greatest commandment, and now Jesus gives this great challenge. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it's called the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them. This is the resurrected Jesus, by the way. He rose from the dead, and he says, All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I love that when Jesus gave them a, a, a commission and sent them out to all nations, and the word there, nations, is ethnos, it's all ethnicities. It's the same word, the word Gentiles is just untranslated. It's the same word as Gentiles that's used in, in, in the New Testament. So it go, go, go out. You got to remember, these, this is a group of people who are very particular about their Jewish heritage and faith. And what Jesus is saying is break out of the walls that you have and go to all nations and share with them what I've taught you. Share with them, disciple them, make them disciples. But before they become disciples, they first have to hear the good news. The good news has to be shared and then they can become disciples. And then Jesus says, I'm with you always to the very end of age. I think so many times I've heard in the church people are like, I just, God feels so distant from me. My response is, go tell somebody about Jesus. Because in the Great Commission, Jesus said, when you're on this Great Commission work, when you're on this Great Commission journey, when you're out sharing the good news to all the nations, I'm with you always to the very end of age. If you want to feel the presence of God, go share who he is and he'll be with you. The next feeling is this. We are nearest to Jesus when we are on living on mission with Jesus. When we're on his mission, he can't help but be present with us. You want to feel near to Jesus? Go tell somebody about him. Go live it out. Go tell your neighbors. People need to hear that Jesus saved all humanity, that, that his salvation power is available to them, and that their sins, they could be free from that, and they could live a brand new life. But more importantly, before people can put their faith in Jesus, oftentimes they need to see it in your life. There was a statistic that came out a while ago, and I don't actually happen to have it here, but it said that for most people, in order to become a Christian, they need to trust a Christian first. Do you live a life worth imitating? Do you live a trustworthy life? This commission is given to the whole church, not just the segment of people who took the spiritual gifts test and revealed that they might have the gift of evangelism. No, this commission is for the entire church. It's for all of us. 
We are to go to tell, to make, to show, to reveal the life of Jesus. It's our call and divine mandate by Jesus. It reminds me of one of the things that Paul wrote in his letters. He wrote this in the book of Romans to the church. He says, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Paul reminds the church that we have truth to tell. You might see the word preach here and think, well, I'm not a preacher. That's something Pastor Dave does. But, if, but you have to remember that in this setting, when Paul is saying, go preach the good news, it was very much shorter and in a different format than what I'm doing up here on stage right now. It was just simply telling people what Jesus had done. That was preaching. It was in the streets. It was in the synagogues. It was at home. It was wherever. Paul is not saying grab a microphone, research all week, come up here, have points to fill out. That's not what he's saying when he says go preach. He's go tell the truth of your life, of what Jesus did for you. It doesn't have to be a well-researched whatever. It just has to be your story. God's given you your story. Share with them the love that God has for them. There's a, the last fill-in before we bring up a couple special people here today. Do my feet bring good news? Do my feet bring good news? Think about where your feet go on a regular basis, day in and day out. Do they bring good news with it? Do my feet bring good news? Am I sharing the good news of Jesus Christ? Today we have some very special guests. We're actually going to take a little bit longer on the testimony time to talk with James and Tatiana Alderson. Would you guys come on up? Would you guys give them a big round of applause? Welcome. When it comes to sharing the good news of Jesus here, I wanted to invite you guys to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit. Get a little bit of feedback. There we go. Feedback. Yep. Maybe we stand further apart. I don't know. But for video purposes, we have to be within these yellow lines. Oh. Yeah. I know you guys don't see that up here, but they give me a box to stand in every week. It's terrible. <laughs> I wanna, I'm Italian. I want to walk over there and up and down the aisles. That's right. Okay. But would you guys introduce yourselves to us and share with us a little bit about what you do? Yeah. So, uh, as Pastor Dave said, my name is James, and this is my lovely wife, Tatiana. I think we have a picture. Um, you've probably seen our girls running around as well. We have a soon-to-be eight, a six, and a four-year-old, Elizabeth, Hannah, and Rachel. Um, and so we have been um, serving for the last seven years, in next slide, um, in the country of Ukraine. Um, so if you don't know where Ukraine is... Well, they should by now. It's, it's, there's, it's a there's more a war common happening. thing. You guys know this? <laughs> uh, if I had a nickel for every time people said, so how's Russia doing? Yeah. Uh, I haven't been to Russia, but they are close. And we're, uh, next slide, we are in, or have been, in the city of Lviv. So that's over there uh, by the border of Belarus and Poland. Um, and so that is our beautiful city of Lviv. Um, and essentially part of our ministry is we're a part of the uh, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And what InterVarsity has observed is that university students tend to be the next generation of leaders, of parents, 
of business owners, of politicians. And so imagine what could happen when you take this group of people who don't have commitments yet, they're not yet married, most of them, right? They don't yet have jobs, and their whole future is ahead of them. And they, they're driven people. They have a trajectory. They, they, they have some inkling that they know what they want to do and they want to be. What if the light of the gospel, got a whole, the torch of the gospel got passed to that generation? How could it impact families? How could it impact society? And how could it impact the world? Are you with me? Yes. That, that, that's an exciting reality. And, and part of why it's exciting for me is that's part of my own personal story. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and so when I got to university, I wanted to live the university life um, that you often see in media and movies, and so I wanted to do the Thirsty Thursday and, and the whole bit with alcohol. I really wanted, thank you, uh, I really wanted um, the attention of women, um, and in the midst of all of that, there's this emptiness. There's a hole in my heart. And, I, and it, it was under the surface. I knew I was a good person, but when I was really honest, when I was by myself, I knew that wasn't true. Hmm. I knew how I was using people for my own gratification, um, how I talked about people. It was like everybody else did, and there was something wrong. There was something not right with that. And so I had one faithful friend, Bria, who every week she was in one of my classes my first semester of university at Sonoma State. Yo, yo, sea wolves. Um, <laughs> Pastor Bethany is also from Sonoma State. Wait a so. second. Did you say sea wolves? Sea wolves. Jack London novel, yes. There is no such thing as It's a, a fictional animal. animal. Yes, that is correct. I yeah. also find it problematic. No fictional animal. Yes. Okay. Um, I see what <laughs> But I had one friend, Bria, who was a part of this thing called InterVarsity, and every week she would invite me to this gathering. She would have Jesus' invitation. She would say, come and see. Say, thanks, Bria. I'd rather get drunk. Thank you for the invitation. Not offended. It wasn't a scary thing. It was just, I have other priorities. And my friend Bria invited me every week for six months. Six months. And I, I wonder how many of us would have given up on week two. I'm saying that to myself as well. How many of us would give up? And so I'm so thankful for Bria um, because for some reason, one week, these weird people on campus were out tabling and talking about things like, is there meaning in the midst of suffering? And does God care about the AIDS epidemic in Africa? And what do we do with our stress? Do we have an outlet for it? Um, and I was so flabbergasted that these weird people were so different than what I experienced in the dormitory and what I experienced in activists and what I experienced in my classes because they were serving each other. They were loving each other. They weren't talking bad about each other behind each other's backs. And I didn't understand. But what I did understand is that something about that, about this need in my heart that all my shame and all my selfishness and the way that I used people, that they talked about this Jesus who actually solved the problem of my sin and he paid for it on a cross, that it didn't have to be on me anymore. He already took it and that that could bring freedom and new life to me. And my life's been changed ever since. Amen. Yeah, so that's our Jesus.
Yeah, you can clap for that. That's our Jesus. And so I'm so thankful for InterVarsity. I'm so thankful for one friend who didn't give up on me. I'm so thankful for people who wanted to have that kind of lifestyle. Um, and that's a little bit about how our story started. And we didn't just get stuck in the, the U.S., but also we saw that how much more so is God moving globally? How much more so is God doing that in contexts where there isn't access on campus to be able to do that? Yeah. And so by invitation um, with the student, the InterVarsity sister movement in Ukraine, we were invited to come and uh, move to Lviv. And Lviv, in Lviv, there was one staff, Ukrainian staff worker. Um, and there's about 100,000 students in our city with this one staff worker. And they said, please come and help us start these Christian witnessing communities in all of these uh, universities. There's five major ones, about 15,000 each, and a lot more smaller colleges. Um, and my husband and I moved there. We were starting to learn the language, uh, trying to learn the culture, learning uh, what are young people talking about, how different is it from American students, Ukrainian students, just really spending so much time building trust, what Pastor Dave said, uh, with the university students in our city. Um, and we have a, a story to share from the very beginning that we kind of see the arc of God's uh, story of one student who I remember in my very broken Ukrainian early on just sitting in the kitchen with this guy and seeing him being very eager about all of our events, but he also liked the attention of women and liked coming to things, but wanted to be the loudest voice, but was not a believer. And I, have, I asked, said he, I was like, hey, you've been coming to a lot of our things. Has anyone asked you what side do you want to be on? You know about Jesus. We've been talking about it in our Bible studies. What are you going to be about? And so we'll jump to what we had seen in the last year because of the war and what had happened. So many of us are familiar with, uh, so our family have become refugees in the last year because of the Russian invasion of Ukraine starting in February of last year. Um, and so um, that's impacted every single person in Ukraine. But if you go to the next slide, um, for those who are familiar with Time Magazine, um, maybe this is, um, anybody familiar with this, this, this uh, headline? So if you zoom in a little bit more, you can go to the very next slide. So you have President Zelensky's faces right there and then a bunch of other um, people who have had impact in Ukraine as a result. You can go to the next slide. If you look in really, really close, Right there um, is our student said he. So shortly after this conversation with Tatiana, uh, he did decide to follow Jesus as a result of that conversation. Um, he said, I want to be about what Jesus is doing in the world. Um, I want him to change my heart. Um, and he was in a long process. He started serving on the worship team in his local church. And uh, you can go to the next slide. Um, years later, when the war started, he realized that um, he wanted to be about rescuing other people. He heard that when the fighting broke out, that he wanted to take his own personal car and take the 20-hour car ride 
from the west of Ukraine to the east of Ukraine and rescue people out. Um, and he was able to successfully rescue over 100 people. And in his last load of people, he was going to take a break, and he decided, let me do it one more time. Um, his car was full of uh, four old ladies, all their dogs and cats, and everything they owned that could fit into a small Soviet sedan. Uh, and their car came under fire and was shot over 31 times. Um, and he was shot over seven times. So in his lungs, in his uh, kidneys, he's lost two fingers, uh, and in his legs. Um, you can go one more slide. Um, and he's luckily uh, been on the up and up. Um, but you talk about being a light of the world and letting your, your deeds um, be evident before men. I mean, those people, you know, their lives have been irrevocably changed because he decided to show this kind of self-sacrificial love. Nobody told him to do it, but he knew because in his heart that this is, this is who Jesus is. This is what this is about. Um, and we were actually on the phone with him this morning. Um, he's still dealing with a lot of the health effects that comes from being wounded in a war zone, um, but it was really wonderful to even speak with him this morning. Yeah. Something that's pretty unique about our ministry um, to students in Ukraine is that churches are not allowed to do any kind of events or here. So I was a student at Davis, and there's tons of Christian clubs and beyond, you know, any kind of interest group, and you can meet on campus, and that's really great to have that access. And in Ukraine, they don't have that access whatsoever. But our, um, the Ukrainian student movement there has built up that trust where we are regularly invited into the buildings, into the lecture halls to share um, different themes. So they're not explicitly Christian, but they will always allude to why this value is a value because it harks back to what we see in scripture with the invitation, come to this off-campus location and we would love to share more. So we have this connection um, in these, um, you know, former Soviet country where communism is still has a very large effect in um, kind of the hearts and minds of people. But we have seen that these students that we, when we moved in 2015, it was the first generation of students born in a free country. And so we, we've started to see, then and even now seeing this hunger for something beyond um, the idea of like atheism being, t you know, your language being taken away, your culture, um, the russification and this idea of like there is more um, and we are hungry and we're asking those questions. Um, and so in some of those invitations, James has been invited to do lectures and speak in um, yeah, these uh, universities in Kiev, in Lviv, in our city. Um, and we have seen it grow just in the first year we were there with this one staff worker um, going from one university. We have a witnessing Christian loving community in this university. Let's multiply and go on to this one. And we have just seen it grow in having a chapter in every single one of those major universities and then moving on into the smaller ones, Art Academy, Printing University. Um, and the last, this uh, photo shows two girls um, who had joined us. Um, it was quite unexpected. I was in a cafe sitting um, with this one girl that was 
uh, someone had connected us, we didn't know one another, and we just got into this really long conversation um, about Jesus, and she was saying, I don't know what, I feel like God has been doing things, she wasn't a believer, um, and she was saying that I feel this burning in my heart. I don't know. Something mm -hmm. about what you're saying is just connecting with me. What is this? What are you talking about? Um, and on our way home, I was like, Nastya, do you just want to open the Bible and study it with me? Um, and she, this is a picture of her uh, at her baptism or after her baptism, her and her friend at the art academy. Um, a week before the pandemic, she was like, let's start a small group in the dorms. And I was like, yes, I get to disciple these two girls, brand new Christians. Um, and the pandemic hit and they're like, hey, are we still gonna do this? I was like, do you want to? Since I can't be there, they didn't allow anybody in. And they said, if you could be on Zoom, we think we can maybe lead this group. Um, and there's this like small Soviet dorm with like, bunk beds and there's like yes 15 <laughs> students kind of crammed into this wow. you know gr uh, room and these two new christians within just weeks of them saying yes to jesus they were pretty freaked out i'm not gonna lie it wasn't easy but they did it um and every week um we actually grew a lot during the pandemic in our ministry um our students were really looking for community um, yeah, it was on Zoom, but they were adapting and they were still um, saying the Bible with us. Yeah. Yeah, why don't you guys share it with us? Um, what's next for your ministry? Because you're here and there's a war there, and I'd love to hear about what's next. Yeah, for a a long time, so having three small girls, we evacuated shortly after the war started because there were in fact, missiles dropping on every major city uh, in the country. Um, and so we thought maybe, maybe someday Lord will go back. Um, and the more we've been hearing stories and testimonies about what's going on on the ground um, in Ukraine, um, we want to be about what God's doing. We haven't lost that call that Pastor Dave was talking about, about, about being the light. If anything, the darkness is, is darker, and so the light shines all the more brighter in those Amen. contexts. Um, we still have, yeah, um, we still have some students, and we still have some colleagues that despite being interrupted by needing to run to bomb shelters and losing power outages, that they're still sitting down with their friends in cafes or in their homes uh, and saying, hey, there is hope in the midst of darkness. Re like... I know we have a lot of things in our country, in our context, that is really difficult when we think of economy and politics yeah. and all the things that hit us. But when you think about like some of my students, like Anastasia um, and Radik and, and these young men and women who, despite all the challenges, are like, guys, we have to cling to Jesus. There's no other hope we can have. We can't trust in these governments. We can't trust in these NGOs. We can't trust in anything else. Our, our trust has to be in Jesus Christ, because even if we die, we know we'll live. Um, and so we, we, we want to be about that. We're hoping, we're gathering funds, and we're doing all, crossing all the I's and dotting the T's and all the other way around, but to try to go back as soon as our girls' school year is over, so hopefully as early as this fall, um, to go back. Um, 
We've already been checking with schools. We still have an apartment we're paying for, for rent there, that's been hosting refugees for the time being. Um, but God has opened a lot of doors, and we're, we're hoping, fingers crossed, um, that the Lord can provide a way. Um, and I, I just want to reiterate what Pastor Dave said. I don't think we're super special. I don't I, think I we... I didn't say that. Well, we're, you said we're <laughs> special people, but what, I'm, but I, what I mean by that is I don't think we have um, the gift of evangelism either. I think our family, as we've been drawing closer to Jesus, has just been trying to say yes, yes. and then the next yes. And I guess that's a little bit of my invitation even to you. We've been so blessed um, to be a part of this church body and the people we've met and people who've prayed for us. And I want to encourage you as well, say yes where you can to the Lord, um, whether it's with your neighbors, whether it's with a family member or a friend. What would the next yes look like even for you and see how God works. See how God works. So if yeah. you guys want to hear more about their ministry, they're going to be around. They'll be around for a few months, uh, hopefully, before we go back to Ukraine here. But here's what I want to do. I want to invite Jeff and the band to come and lead us in one more song. But I want to pray for them. And I just want to invite you to pray with us for James, Tatiana, and their three girls. And your daughter tells me, we have a car in Ukraine. So it's like, you guys have to go back. Your car is there. She loves it. Yeah. <laughs> Can we pray for them? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the ministry that you've laid on the hearts of James and Tatiana. And God, for the fruit that that's borne out, that there's new chapters, that there's new Christians, there's new people being discipled, that this, this man who was shot up multiple times is doing well and, and is healthy. And so, Lord, we pray that as, um, as bombs fall, God, that your word would proliferate, God, that your word would grow, and that it would be your word and a movement of your people that would stop this war. God, it would be a movement of your people, not just in Ukraine, but in Russia too. A movement of your people that would bring peace to this land. God, your word says as much as it depends on us to live at peace with everyone, and I just pray that as that word gets rooted in people in Ukraine and, and in Russia, God, that you would do in a major work in the hearts of leaders around the globe. God, we love you. We just thank you for the work that they're doing. And we give you all the glory for everything that you've done through James and Tatiana and ask that as they go back at one point, Lord, that you would provide the funding for that and that you would make that fruitful. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. And God, all God's people said, Thank you for listening to the River's Edge Church podcast with Pastor Dave Johnson. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that God has touched your heart. 